turn to James chapter 1. James 1, starting at verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth in it, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. His uh, brother Andrew's title is Be Ye Doers of the Word. I'll give our attention to him. Good morning, afternoon. It's uh, got a little bit warmer up here for some reason since this morning. And I'll see if I can get Sister Wilma on here real quick. I don't know if it's just the sun on the building or being up here, but it's definitely warmer. Our topic, make a motion if I'm not talking loud enough because I know that as I speak I get a little quieter and I want to make sure I'm speaking loud enough. So our topic this afternoon will touch on God manifestation in our lives. I think it, think it may build off of some of uh, Aaron's brief comments on the subject yesterday. Now, I brought this in. I'm going to show it to you a few times. I want you to look in it and look at yourself. I'm going to do my best to hold it here. Look at yourself. I'm only going to come back here once because you guys are far away. You'll have to get the best view you can from up front. Just a regular mirror, just so you know. Not missing anything yet. Now, what did you see? Some people may see imperfections in their skin or hair or clothing. Others may see how good they look or how bad they look. Some may see everyone else and miss their own reflection. What you see may or may not be what's actually there as well. Our own biases can make us think better or worse of what we see, whether we're looking at ourselves or someone else. Consider what the Laodiceans thought of themselves in Revelation 3. I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But what did Christ see? Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. We can see quite a difference between the subjective view and the objective view of their spiritual condition. And this is part of what we want to focus on today. 
The reflection we see in the mirror is a view of our physical body. This body has been given to us by God for the purpose of glorifying Him through obedience. While our genetics can determine how we each differ and how our bodies may be predisposed to being short or tall, bald or hairy, or so on, we are still given charge to care for this body as the temple of God. We can treat it well or neglect it, wear it as God provided it to us, or dress it up with dye, paint, makeup, for our personal benefit. The way we treat our body changes what we can see when we look in the mirror. But to what end? 1 Timothy 4.8 says that bodily exercise profiteth little, meaning it is beneficial to a small degree, or for a short amount of time. Exercise, which is physical exertion from work or literal exercise, can help our body remain fit for service in the vineyard for a, an extended period of our lives and in a larger, larger range of work compared to not using our body. But in and, in and of itself, it is useless. It can provide a better physical reflection in the mirror, but so can makeup, paint, dye, and clothing, none of which actually benefit us in the work of manifesting God. I wrote something in here and it messed me up. None of it actually benefits us in the work of manifesting God, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, as 1 Peter 3, 4 says. For we read in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. This gives us an example to follow. God looks upon us and sees us through and through, knowing the heart itself. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Therefore, when we examine ourselves in the mirror, we should be reminded to examine ourselves more deeply as well. How do we do this? By using the Word as our guide. Hebrews 4.12 states, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. By correctly discerning the scriptures, we can view ourselves from our Father's perspective and root out those things which are contrary to our great and holy calling. This is why it's necessary to obey the instruction of 2 Corinthians 13.5 to examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. I have a bottle of water. Sorry. Examine yourselves. This isn't talking about taking a close look in the mirror at your reflection. It's talking about looking frankly at your inner man, at the thoughts and intents of the heart, and seeing what they are reflecting. Appreciate it. Didn't have to do that.
The moon has no light of its own, but it looks like it does. It's actually reflecting the light of the sun, not perfectly in all its glory, but to a lesser degree. In 1 John 1.5 we read, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And in John 12.46 Christ said, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. We see two points for our topic in these verses. One, spiritually speaking, there is no light apart from the light emanating from God and Christ. And two, darkness is the natural state of man, and he remains in that condition until belief and obedience bring him into the light of God's truth. Consider the following verses. Isaiah 8, verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Hosea 6, verse 5. And thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Ephesians 5.8 For ye were sometimes, or formerly, darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Psalm 119.105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. And 1 Peter 2.9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have been called out of darkness to stand in the light of the word. Though light was created on the first day, the sun and the moon didn't become visible until the fourth day of creation. The light of God's plan was revealed at the time sin entered into the world with the promise to Eve that her seed would destroy the seed of the serpent, or sin and death. But the focal point of the light was not created until the fourth day when Jesus was born. This occurred in the fourth millennium after the creation, therefore the fourth day of creation. In this same fourth millennium is when the ecclesia was also established, represented by the moon in the creation week of Genesis 1. As the moon reflects the light of the sun, so Christ is the light of the world, and it's his responsibility to reflect that light for our brethren and the world to see. Matthew 5:16 states, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In relation to our mirror, if we go into a room without windows and turn off the lights, we wouldn't be able to examine our reflection because we can't even see the mirror. Job 5.14 says of the froward, or wicked and perverse people, they meet with darkness in the daytime, and grope in the noonday, as in the night. And Matthew 6.23 says, If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. We see this especially in how Christ described the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. 
but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. This internal darkness is the natural state of man and what our heart tends toward. But when we hear the word of God, a light begins to shine in the darkness and reveal what we otherwise cannot see. Ephesians 5.13 reads, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Make manifest means to reveal. As we look more deeply into the word of God, more light shines into the darkness of our lives, revealing the characteristics, beliefs, and morals that are in opposition to the truth. We who are baptized have decided to accept this light into our lives and seek it to be the guiding influence directing our steps while putting off the old man and his deeds. Or as Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Let's also turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Starting at verse 19, Romans 6:19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield excuse me, your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. This is why it's necessary to examine ourselves. Honest introspection through the light of the scriptures is the only way to see whether we are remaining in the faith, yielding our members servants to righteousness, and bringing forth fruit unto holiness. However, we can also allow things to get in the way of our self-examination. Let's consider a few things, a few examples here. Close your eyes. Now, give me just a moment here. The condition you're in is the condition the Laodiceans were in. Their eyes closed, blinded, spiritually, unbeknownst to them. If I hold up the mirror now, what are you going to see? Anybody? Nothing. You won't see anything. Now open your eyes. If we're not honestly examining ourselves, then our vision will look like this, clouded by the darkness of sin, so that we cannot see a clear reflection of ourselves, of our spiritual lives. It's blocking a portion of our lives. However, we can also be deceived or willfully led back into darkness to the point that we're considered blind. 
such as when your eyes were closed. The problem with both of these states of mind is that we can think we're still seeing a good reflection of God in ourselves while walking in darkness. We can look at that mirror and think we're seeing perfectly clear when in fact there's clouds of sin blocking parts of our lives. If we don't receive or heed rebuke or open our eyes to truly compare our lives against God's word, then our reward will be according to our works as we, re as we see in Matthew 25, 30, which reads, And cast ye the unprofitable servant, servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's consider another example. I want you to look at yourselves again. Look at your reflection. Look at your reflection. Now, show of hands, who looked at their reflection and saw themselves? One person, partially. Who was distracted by what I was doing and what I had drawn? so that they couldn't look at themselves. Everybody. Consider how much of an influence what I, had, what I did had on what you saw when trying to examine yourself. This relationship between our actions and what others see is meant to be beneficial for those watching us. But if we're not, but if we aren't walking in the straight and narrow way, we can influence others to tread less carefully or be less diligent when consider, considering their ways. The purpose of our works before other men is to encourage those around us to glorify God. And if we aren't having this effect, then we should consider our ways, as Yahweh commanded the remnant in Judah through the prophet Haggai. Let's look at a few references here. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Verses 11 and 12. 1 Peter 2 verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end, of their conversation or manner of life, 
We know Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And Ephesians 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Ephesians 5, verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish, foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Now this isn't to say... We shouldn't be able to place what other people are doing in the back of our minds and focus fully on ourselves in relation to the will of God. The point is that those closest to us, such as a wife, husband, family members, brethren, can weigh more heavily on our minds and distract us from a thorough examination or influence what we think is acceptable behavior. This isn't the only way we can be distracted, though. Let's look at Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answer, answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Peter looked on the distractions around him, the wind and the waves, instead of focusing on his goal, walking to Christ. This distraction caused him to forget how far he had come and sink in fear. We can likewise be distracted by trials or anguish and sink in the ways of tribulation that afflict us. It would be like trying to look in the mirror, but we keep thinking of this problem or that burden that needs to be lifted, and we never actually look closely at ourselves before our deceitful minds take us in another direction. It quickly becomes normal to think of other problems in place of examining ourselves to our own detriment. Let's group a few more distractions together. Who could tell me what this reference is? It'd be a long shot, I would guess, if you managed. It's John 1, verse 5. 
The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Remember that the mirror represents self-examination. The verse that I write doesn't matter. The point is that something has come between ourselves and our need for introspection. Our phone, tablet, is just one object that can interfere in this way. We can include the news, TV, work, friends, family, pets, internet, love, games, money. The list goes on. Forgot to bring the newspaper. It's going to hold up in front of it too. What we allow to take precedence in our lives is determined by the things we're focused on. When we need to be examining ourselves, whether we be in the faith, we put it off to spend time doing something on our phone, to sit down in front of the TV, to look at the news, to do something to distract ourselves from what is necessary, then we're going to end up having more problems down the road because we're not looking at ourselves closely regularly, which is the ultimate uh, goal with self-examination. Not once a year, we're going to have a whole lot of problems because we're not comparing ourselves to the Word of God often enough. Needs to be daily. So what we allow to take precedence in our lives is determined by the things we're focused on. We find this spoken of in Luke chapter 12, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus followed this by exhorting in verse 35, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Spiritually, our lights can only be burning when we're thinking on and manifesting God's word. Because our lights are actually a reflection of God's light, showing our focus and devotion to glorifying His name. Let's think about this in another way. Christ was brought into the world for the purpose of fulfilling God's plan of salvation. The first requirement was that He be without personal sin. God provided Christ with the mindset and strength necessary to be obedient in all things, and Christ fulfilled this to the degree that he could be called Emmanuel, or God with us. As he told the apostles in John 14, 9, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. God expected his Son to be a perfect representation of himself in sinful flesh, and Christ fulfilled this expectation completely by submitting his desires to his Father's will. By this means, he perfectly manifested God and could be called the light of the world, as we see in the following verses. John 8, 12, Then said Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 9, 5, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And as we read before, John 12, 46, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, we're told, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Let's also turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 
verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Christ is the Son of God by birth, but we are the Son of God, sons of God by adoption, through baptism into Christ. Does God require less of us in terms of what his laws of what which of his laws must be obeyed and to what degree they must be obeyed? No. He has provided a way for forgiveness of sins because he remembers that we are flesh. But the expectation that we fully reflect the light of the gospel in our hearts and lives is not diminished because we are adopted. Let's continue reading in 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. There isn't much that can be said about such a clear verse. If we hope to be pure, then we need to work to purify our hearts. I think there are a few more references we can add in closing, though, that paint a clear picture of what we should be working to perfect as we examine ourselves. Let's start in 1 Peter. Chapter 2, First Peter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sin in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14, 2 Corinthians six fourteen. Be ye not unequally yoked together with...